I got to tell you, it's uh, if you've never stood in front of people to share the word of God, it's a humbling thing to be given the right to preach his word. And uh, especially because of the topic that I'm on tonight, I'm just super overwhelmed with God's spirit tonight. And um, Dave uh, Weatherby, uh, two or three weeks ago, says, Hey, Larry, we're going to be preaching on uh, Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Uh, you seem to have some expertise in this. Can you preach on this? Oh, great. I don't have one on demons this time. <laughs> That's usually what they give me. Oh, spiritual warfare, demons, uh, let's give that one to Larry. And uh, I'm grateful that, you can see, I, I can teach on other things, but uh, this particular passage that we're on has been a passage that has defined who I am and how I do ministry for at least 20 years. And to be asked out of the blue to speak on this is more than a privilege for me. So... No one can ever accuse me of not being uh, emotional and shedding a tear here and there. (laughs) Right, Doyle? (laughs) It's my good friend Doyle back there from Sox Place. All right. We are going to talk about something that's fairly controversial. We're going to talk about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Oh, yeah. I asked, I I couldn't come, I'm not good at coming up with nifty little scummish titles for my sermons. I was going to go with Funkalicious, Apostles, probably, you know, something like that, but I knew that was lame. About as scum as I get is I'm wearing black and white tonight, so, you know. If I had a pink t-shirt, I'd be wearing that. So I said, Dave, come up with something for me. So that's Dave's, this is Larry's cool sermon title. So, works for me. Um... In their mid-90s, I had a youth ministry called Tuesday Night at Your Mom's. It was an indoor skateboard park. We had every garage band that was so bad, it was just horrible. Uh, We had some good bands. One of those bands was Five Iron Frenzy, and we had their band before they were Five Iron, which was Exumator. We had all those bands, and... uh, I entered into a period of time of, of, of ministry, youth ministry. I've always been working with kids. But I entered into a time and place of ministry where I was in over my head. I entered into warfare that I just, I, if you had three hours, I could tell you stories. It came with the kids, and it came in the geographic location where I was at. And I realized I needed something more. And I realized that, uh, if I was going to do this job and do it well, that there was something that I was missing. And then that's when I began to glom on these verses. We're going to, can you, uh, whoever's doing the verses thing, and can you put uh, Ephesians four eleven through 16 up there? It's unmanned. All right. They're not up there. Uh, I knew this passage about apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. I knew it held something for me, but I didn't know what. So in the mid-90s, I began to wrestle with that whole passage. And everywhere else, it talked about apostles and prophets. I knew there was something real about that. I knew it was talking about authority. I already knew about pastors and teachers and evangelists. I was an evangelist. I was doing evangelism. But apostles and prophets, it's like, 
you don't go there because they don't exist anymore. That's part of the theology, especially if you go to Dallas Seminary. Uh, and then uh, in the, uh, about 2004, a friend of mine, Don, and I began to like be really serious about what is this apostles, prophets, this thing that they call in charismatic Christianity, the five-fold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. What is this crazy thing? And we began to kick that around, and we began to ask the Lord to show us what that really meant and what it meant for those gifts. You got something for me, Cheryl? Oh, thanks. I forgot. In case, uh, you know, I got to be like the preachers, you know, got the little white rag. Because I might work up a sweat. So I really began to uh, look at that and ask God, what does that look like? And me and my friend Don and a bunch of other guys began to pray, and we sought the Lord, and we read and um, looked at Scripture. And uh, we realized these are controversial because in the church, generally, they say the last three exist. Pastors, teachers, evangelists, yeah. But there are no more apostles and no more prophets. That's kind of funny. That's kind of like a little cut and paste thing. Oh, we don't like that. I don't understand that. We've got people acting weird with those titles. So we'll snip that one out. And um, the other thing is that we saw also, and a lot of you guys have seen this too, guys you see on TV and people that are self-appointed prophets and apostles and pastors that got the title, they wear the name badge, and they got, you know, the shows. And, and we've seen plenty in the Denver, Colorado Springs, Boulder area, people called apostles and prophets and pastors and evangelists who have just totally messed everything up. They've pooped in our own backyard and made a giant mess. And so we have a tendency to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, they messed up, so those gifts must not be real. Uh, the other thing is, is we just people didn't know that much about it. I mean, how do you explain an apostle other than a church planner? Now, how do you explain a prophet? Ooh, how dare somebody call themselves a prophet? That would be, ooh, that would be just too much. Um, so I really wanted to know the truth about that. And so I guess I'm starting off my message by saying, my conviction is all five of those gifts exist. And I can point to people in this room that I know have some of these gifts that people say aren't real. I know there are some apostles in this room. <laughs> I looked at my friend over there. I know there's some, I know there's some prophets in this room. <laughs> I just looked at my other friend. And I know there are people in this room and that no longer is scum. They were prophets because I'm a prophet and God put us together and I help them clean themselves up. And start using that prophet gift. I know that those gifts are real. And the thing is, is those gifts are people. They're not skills. They're not abilities. They're not supernatural manifestations. They're people. They're gifts. That word in the Greek gift means a present. We've got presents in this room. It's like Christmas. And I think we should open all of them. We're used to... Pastors, teachers, and evangelists. We're comfortable with that. As a matter of fact, the, the um, American Christianity, Western Christianity, is based on the pastoral system. But re in reality, there's five. And I've seen all five work together. And it's a beautiful thing.
So we're going to read, uh, go back to the scripture. Uh, we're going to read. See, here's, here's kind of, here's kind of the thing I, I think. If it's in the Bible, we should believe it's true, eh? <laughs> you know, if the Bible's going to talk about it, we should probably believe that it's true. Huh? So uh, it says up here. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by trickery of men. Anybody ever seen any of those guys? I have trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working, by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying or building of itself up in love. So you look at the whole chapter, Ephesians uh, 4, 1 through 16, and it's like there's this sea of verses, like a giant ocean of, of verses on unity. And right in the middle of it, Paul plops an island. An island pops up. And it's like it's out of place. Where did that come from? It has nothing to do with this whole section on unity, because all the verses from 1 through 16 are about unity. I think it's verses 1 through 6 are about what we're unified in. We are unified in one God, one Father, one Lord, one baptism, one faith. And we have to keep that unity with each other. The second half, this one, talks about how that unity is fostered and cultivated and built in the body of Christ. Because you just can't keep something. Christ is not a static thing. Unity is not static. Unity is dynamic in the sense that it can be built. It can be, uh, it can be built. It can be matured. All the descriptions up here, it can be done into that. Right in the middle of it, God puts in the middle of it this little island that says, now I'm going to tell you how to move from what you're holding on to that makes you one into what cultivates unity. And it's the gifts that Christ gave in his ascension, which are people, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. These are all gifts as people that cultivate, that bring us from what we're all holding on to in the unity to cultivating it. I'm going to guess that most everybody in this room has been in a church or a Bible study, a small group, whatever the current language for all that is. And you know you started out with everybody just kind of being one. We like each other. Some I don't like, some I do like, some I don't really care about. You know, you, let's be honest. We all have people like that, right? But then after a while, because of the leadership in your group, there's some knitting of hearts. There's some transparency. And there's some unity in your group. That's what apostles, prophets... And, you know, I call it APEPT, A-P-E-P-T. That's, it's not a very snazzy-sounding uh, acronym, but it's, it's what those are, uh, stand for. Anyway, so these gifts, 
these people who Christ gave have authority in the body of Christ. They have authority in the body of Christ to do what this says. It says, for, verse 12, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. These gifts are to equip, which is a word to make perfect, or it would be like a trainer in a gym. Get you ready, get you fit. To do what? To do work. Unity is about work. <coughs> Sound like Maynard G. Krebs. If you're old enough to know who that is, you're really old. Uh, um, these gifts get people in the body of Christ to do the work of the ministry. You know, it's not just a few people doing everything. You know, the basic, the basic um, statistic been around forever. Twenty percent of the people in churches do eighty percent of the work. That is usually what happens. But what apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers do is they get with people. And they get people inspired and equipped and trained to do the work. You know, the leaders, when I was coming up in in youth ministry, we had a saying. I loved it. Work yourself out of a job. I loved it. It really made the last pastor I worked for, made him really furious. Because he thought I should... Uh, be getting with every single kid all the time. I said, no, man, I'm working myself out of a job. Every pastor, every apostle, every teacher, every evangelist should work themselves out of a job because they should be training people to do the work that God's called them to. So, I am going to uh, now go over all five of those briefly to let you know what those verses mean, uh, those gifts mean. I am by no way a Greek scholar. I graduated from Denver Seminary, but it was in counseling. So I took no Greek. I took no Hebrew. Wish I did. I wish I knew that. But I had to look this stuff up, you know, in my handy-dandy commentary stuff. All right. We're, we're going to look at each one of those gifts, and then I'm going to describe what this looks like. The word apostle, Paul... This wasn't a Holy Spirit-inspired word. Paul took this from the maritime maritime culture. The, the kings, they would have fleets of ships. And they would send them out. And they called those fleets apostolos. That's where he gets the word um, apostle. And the guys, the commanders of the ships, were called apostolos. So... Paul took from the culture and took a word. And what it means is a sent one with the power and the authority of the king. That meant wherever those guys went and they planted their flag on that property and that place, wherever they went, they said, we represent the king and this is now ours. They had power and authority to do that. They have power and authority. If you're ever around a true apostle, this is what it's going to be like for you. They're going to be humble, and if they're not, they're probably not an apostle. They're going to be humble, they're not going to be proud, and they're certainly not going to be have a name tag. And they're not going to call themselves, my name is the apostle of Ninth Street. They're not going to be doing that. But when you're with them, I'll tell you what, whatever territory they go into, 
wherever they, wherever they go, darkness leaves because they have power and authority to claim people and territory, geographic places. They have power and authority. They're sent to establish the kingdom of God wherever they go. The difference between an apostle and an evangelist is some people think that apostles are church planners. They preach the gospel, you know. Not really. That's part of the deal, but it's only a little bit. When, when an, an evangelist goes somewhere, what's left in their wake is people getting saved. When a, an apostle goes in his wake or her wake, by the way, these gifts are gender neutral. There are men and women or should I say, women and men, apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers. I believe that. I know some women. One of them was supposed to be here tonight. She didn't show up. Uh, Her name is Empress. She's, are you here? Oh, there she is. She's an apostle. I very rarely leave her office when I go talk to her where I don't call my wife or my friend Don go, what just happened to me? I just had an encounter with Christ, and whatever I struggled with, it all left. She's a pastor of uh, El Shaddai Church Ministries. That's what will happen with an apostle. They leave churches in their wake. They leave ministries in their wake. Evangelists leave converted people. Apostles leave churches and ministries. I know a lot of apostles. Uh, He's going to kill me. My friend Doyle back there runs Sox Place. He's an apostle. Where he's at, there was darkness. Now, because he's been there, I don't know how many years, uh, there's less darkness. Tons of kids know Jesus. And things have happened where he's at. That's an apostle. They're an ambassador, a representative. Um. Now, uh, go to the next slide, the one where, uh, um, and we'll come back to that. Look at this, uh, uh, Acts 15, uh, 15, 1 through through 2 and verse 6. I'm just going to skim through it. Basically, what this verse says, these these three verses say, is there was, this is another function of an apostle. Sorry, I got ahead of myself. So, apostles plant churches. They do do that, but they are sent, and they're just like a bullet shot out of a gun. But the other things they do is, in this, these verses, is uh, you can skim through that, uh, verses uh, 1 and 2 and 6. There was, a, there was a problem. There were some Jewish guys that were saying you had to be circumcised to be saved. And so uh, Paul and Barnabas, Barnabas was another apostle. There wasn't just the 12 and Paul. There were other apostles. Well, Paul and Barnabas were sent to the apostles, it says there, Now the apostles and elders came together to consider this matter. Verse 6 down there. They had to go and take this issue of the truth. They had to go to the apostles and let the apostles come to decision for the rest of the body of Christ, all the other churches. It's one of the functions of an apostle. Is to take care of and watch over the truth of the gospel in the body of Christ. You'll know people like that. You know, you see people that, um, that hold large conferences and, uh, and tons of people go there. It, these guys, uh, tons of churches go there. These guys, a lot of these guys and women. When I say guys, by the way, uh, this is uh, communication clarification. 
Guys, for me, is a general term for men and women. I just, my brain just doesn't think that uh, detailed. But they will hold the body of Christ in the word of the truth. And that's their job. I know men. Um, okay, so I'm, I'm kind of name dropping tonight here. <laughs> but, you know, Mike, one of our pastors here, founding pastor. Now, not a lot of people maybe know this, but Mike's an apostle. I know he is. And I watched him when there was a pastor in town here who was really blowing out really badly and causing a lot of trouble. Mike headed up a whole bunch of pastors in town to confront this guy because this person was not standing in the truth. And Mike took the initiative to get everybody together, as many people as possible, to confront this and to take care of this. That's what apostles do. Uh, Another thing is in Ephesians 2, 28 through 22, if you look at that, Especially verse uh, 21. Is that right? Uh, No. For some reason, that didn't get up there right. In verse 20 through 22 in Ephesians 2, it says that the church, it talks about two foundations. This talks about the foundation being Christ. talks about another foundation being laid by apostles and prophets. If you want to have a good foundation in your church, get an apostle and a prophet to invest because they lay the foundation that stays. Uh, and then verse uh, 6 4, uh, Acts 6 4, it says, But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. One of the things apostles need to do, some apostles, they don't handle all the details of the church or the ministry. They're given to the word and prayer because it's their job to to do that. And so apostles don't just plant churches. These are some examples of other things apostles do. Now, uh, prophets, the word for prophet, there you go, is the word prophemi. And I'm sure I didn't pronounce that right. Pro means before, femi, 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 whatever. To declare, to say. What it means, it's a spokesman that gets direct messages from God and gives them to people and to groups. I know one uh, sister in the Lord who's very much a strong prophet. She's been invited to governments. I know a couple of young ladies who have been invited to governments. And, and, and government leaders in foreign countries consult them and say, is God saying something to us? Or they will go to them and, and give them words of warning. That, that's, not a, that's not an unusual thing. Now, in our culture, I will say this. It's been given a bad name. I see people shouting, nodding their head. Uh, I, I can't even tell you how many prophecies I've got. 19, I think it was 1991, there was a, prophet, a prophecy from a YWAM guy that there was an earthquake and then we were going to move into better be being buying stuff for your basement, blah, blah, blah. It came and went, nothing. I had a friend of mine said, oh, I saw there was an earthquake. It was like deep, deep within the bowels. It registered like .007. I'm like, really? But it doesn't mean you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. There are some people that are prophets that can give words. Uh, There was one guy, um, and I didn't get the scripture for it, but in the New Testament, a guy named Agabus he got a bunch of the prophets together with leaders of the church. And he prophesied that there was a famine 
coming to Jerusalem, that area, the people were so moved, the leaders of the church were so moved, they did stuff to start collecting materials to send. And by the time they got everything collected, it had hit Jerusalem. And they had gone there to take care of the Jerusalem church. It was right there in Acts. But there's three things really a prophet does. And I, I guess I speak from experience. Um, if you were here on the night, I don't know, four years ago, Jesse ambushed me. He's preaching. He goes, by the way, you know, we have some prophets in our church. And Larry is one of them. I'm like, oh, I think I'll slink down into my chair. You know, it's like I'm trying to be an undercover brother here. You know what I'm saying? And uh, but three things that you'll find as an Old Testament example of what New Testament prophets do. This is why nobody likes prophets to some degree. Prophets always deal with leaders. I can't tell you a time I've been in a church where I wasn't always dealing. I wasn't the leader. But I was always dealing with things that were going on behind closed doors and God would show me. And I'd have to go confront people. I didn't like that. The leaders, prophets, see things. I don't know. We can just tell. Here's a one that I think pretty much describes this. I think it was Ezekiel or Jeremiah. I can't remember the one. Which one? God tells this guy, Ezekiel or Jeremiah, I want you to go to the wall of the Holy of Holies. I want you to dig a hole in the wall and look in there and see what you see. Tell me what you see. So he goes and he digs a hole and he looks in. And what was happening was the elders and the priests of, of Israel were drawing pictures of spiders and bugs and lizards and reptiles. And they were worshiping them, worshiping them in the place where God was supposed to be worshiping. That's what happens to prophets. There's a very famous pastor. It happened in the early 2000s. If I told you, you know who it was. The guy flamed out really badly. It was international news. It came to find out later what he was doing. People came to him. Prophets came to him 10 years before it came out. We know what's happening. The guy wouldn't repent. (laughs) Prophets. We get the job to deal with leaders, to, to help them, to build them up. But also, if there's off track, often God will give us words. They also have a message, repent. We don't go around saying repent. But our general message is on repentance. Repentance is a key to having a relationship with God. Um, yeah. Prophets oftentimes just are not very popular. And according to the scripture that we're reading, uh, they also build up the body of Christ. Um, let's turn to, uh, open, uh, go, oh, you got it. There you go. Just to show you, in the church in the first century, there were prophets. 13.1. Now in the church of Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers. And they give the names. Right there. Bada-bing, bada-boom. Acts 11, 27 and 28. Uh, and in these days, prophets came from Jerusalem to Antioch. Then one of them named Agabus stood up, showed by the Spirit that there was going to be a great famine throughout all the world, which also happened in the days of Claudius Caesar. Prophets came. There was Agabus. He was mentioned there. 
And then Acts 15.32, Now Judas and Silas themselves being prophets also exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. So prophets don't always have the bad job of, you know, repent, uh, you know, challenging leaders. We'll also build up and strengthen and encourage the body of Christ. And that's actually one of my favorite things to do. The word pastor is the Greek word, uh, where's, oh yeah, I don't know how to say it, poimen? Poimen. Sounds like somebody's last name. Oh, this is Arthur Poyman. I'd like to introduce Arthur Poyman to you. You know, it's like, sorry, a little humor. Didn't go very far. All right. <laughs> Basic meaning is that of a shepherd who protects. It's a Greek word for really for the guys that are out in the field with the sheep and the goats. And the root word is P-E-H, which means to protect. Pastors, um, pastors uh, love to protect and take care of the sheep. When you're around a pastor, man, you just feel loved, schmoozed. How you doing? You're paying your rent. You're loving your wife. You're getting in the word. They love that. They'll take care of the sheep. And the Greek word for teacher is didasko. It sounds like Tabasco. Instructor, doctor, master. I thought of that because I love Tabasco. I always got a large jar in my house. I put a, I put a cereal, you know, Danish, whatever. Tabasco goes on there. An instructor, a doctor, a master. They love getting into the word, teaching the word, want to make sure you got the truth in the word. Don't make up some foo-foo junk that sounds good. Let's get in the word. They are really an instructor and doctors of the word. That's why I appreciate when Adam Skinner was here. That dude was a teacher. When he got done preaching, you'd been schooled. He And Adam, if you're listening, way to go. I always loved your uh, teaching uh, because you're a true teacher. Um, so uh, go back to the scriptures that we have for tonight. Yeah. Uh, okay. So if you look through there, you're going to find some key words. Equip, knit, together, join, grow, build. And at the end, it says, uh, working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Truly, if you're an apostle or a prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher, in the New Testament church age, your job is to do that. If that isn't happening... It has to have serious question whether you actually are an apostle or a prophet or evangelist, pastor, teacher. Because if people aren't getting built up, if people aren't being sent to do the job that God's called them to, if you're not calling people together in unity, there's serious question on what you're doing. That's what these gifts are supposed to be, supposed to build these up. All right. Now I'm just going to end. I got two more things here. Um, let's see, where am I? Okay. So how does that work? How does that work in the church? How do apostles, how do you know you're being shepherded and taught and built up and knitted by these guys? I'm going to go through it real quick. What it, I'm going to use this word, what it tastes like or what it, what's the aroma, like a perfume, you know, what, what has impacted you when you're around these guys? Again, guys meaning men and women. An apostle. Guess what an apostle is going to help you do? An apostle, since everything about an apostle is about being sent with power and authority. What an apostle is going to do, he's going to help the people in the church figure out where has God sent you? 
and show you how to live and walk and work in the power and the authority of God for your territory. Where do you work? You work at a hospital? You work at the 7-Eleven? Are you a garbage man? Are you a teacher? Are you a wife at home with your children? Are you an accountant? I know that after listening to some apostles, uh, I'm say apostles now, everywhere I go, of course, I don't work in a place now. I just, I'm kind of out everywhere. I would go, first thing I would do is I'd get to know everybody there. I'd see who the bosses were. I'd see what the layout of the place is. Then I'd start praying for people. I said, Lord, who do you want me to talk to? I said, Lord, this place that I work at right here, this office is mine. Because I represent you. Now, I did my job. I worked hard. I earned my wage. I didn't waste company time by preaching the gospel. I didn't get paid for preaching the gospel. But I would pray under my breath on my breaks. I would walk around the place and I'd learn how to be sent and have power and authority to do what I was supposed to do. These guys, these women and men built me up to such an extent I knew how to do that. Before you know it, after a while, I'm preaching the gospel. I'm asking the Lord, who can I share? One guy I worked at a number of years ago, I bought him a Bible and gave it to him for Christmas because I just knew that's what the Lord wanted me to do. I don't know if the guy ever read it, but that guy's got a copy of the Word of God. They will help you do that. They will help you learn how to fight and to, and to be sent and to be in the Word and to pray in the realm that you're called to. You will be helped to do that. What will a prophet do for you? Now, remember, this is just one or two points. I mean, there's a lot more. If you know a prophet, a prophet is all up in the whole thing about the voice of God. Everything is about voice. I want to hear God. You go, you go talk to a prophet, and they go, what did God tell you today? Ah, I think I got a message for you. Or right, go to a church, a prophet walk in, and says, Lord, you got a message for me for this place? They're all about the voice of God. The written word, and by the way, if it's only the voice of God that God just telling you stuff, you're a wackadoodle. If it's not about the Bible, too, you're a wacko. Can I just say that? You are just out of line. Because how do you know that's God? I can tell you, a prophet, if you want to be a real prophet, you better spend a lot of time in the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. You know, that old song we learned in Sunday school. You better be in that book. Because a lot of stuff that God's going to tell you to say is based out of what you read in the book. That's why... I love to study my Bible. I am scared to death to say I have a word from God if I haven't been studying the word in Scripture. Because I'm so afraid of being whacked and just having something. When I have something I think is in a big way going to share with somebody, first person I ask, my wife Cheryl. Second person I ask is my two daughters. Third person, my friend Doyle. And I have four other friends. I run up by them. Then I say, does it contradict the word of God? That's just how it should be. And guess what a prophet's going to help you do? It's going to help you get immersed in the voice of God, in scripture and in your spirit and in your heart. And he's going to teach you how to be balanced. She, okay, I'm going to switch. She will teach you how to be balanced and how to be humble before God. That's what a prophet's going to do for you. Evangelists, they will light you up. You'll be lit by a true evangelist for the lost. 
They will cultivate. They could tell stories. The anointing on them is so strong and so powerful. They will tell you stories. They have spent hours in prayer over places they've been sent for the lost. They're broken. You know, uh, I was telling a friend of mine the other day, I was sitting in a coffee house. I said, here's the difference between me and an evangelist. One is, I'm sitting here, I'm thinking everybody in this room should get saved. And I start praying for people. If there was an evangelist here, uh, seven of them would have already been saved. (laughs) Because evangelists are just broken. They'll teach you how to evangelize and how to have a heart for the lost. They will. They'll teach you also. They'll impart, they'll inspire you how to have a time with the Lord every day because they know the power of spending time with Jesus. Evangelism is not really about the gift. It's about the heart that's been cultivated by Jesus in the private with Him. (coughs) Excuse me. Everybody I know is evangelist. They will always have their Bible and they will always talk about what God told them in in the Word. They'll fire us up about evangelism. Pastors will make you others-centered. Pastors will always... Help you think about others and not yourself. You could be watching your favorite. uh, You have a pastor. Watch his favorite Super Bowl team. Watch the Super Bowl. Somebody calls up and says, "Uh, my son just fell down and uh, broke both of his teeth out. I'm on my way to the uh, hospital. He'll leave the party and go down and be with them at the hospital. They are so other-centered. They'll teach us how to put our selfishness aside and to care for all the people. And then uh, lastly, teachers will always, 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 thank you, Adam Skinner, if you're listening, always, always, always point you back to the Word. And say you need to get the Word, not just get the, out of the Word what you want. What's the Word really saying? What's the, what's the uh, if Craig were here, I took his class in seminary, uh, homo, uh, um, not homiletics, uh, what's that? Hermeneutics, that's right. That's how you study the Bible. You know, context, grammar, uh, cultural things. Uh, there's one more, and then there's uh, application. Guys that are teachers will just challenge the heck out of us to get in the Word and get in it good. And then when you work them together, get all of them together. It's a beautiful thing. I have been in places. I just did an event called David's Tent. And I still will be forever grateful for all the scum kids that came and helped me with that. It was outstanding. The way that event went, I could not have done it without the scum guys and ladies that were there. I was so proud to be called a scum guy because my, my friends really made it happen. In that event, we had apostles, we had prophets. We had evangelists, we had pastors, we had teachers, and we, everybody was working like pistons in a car. One was, was up, you know, pistons go like this in a car. That's a really lame way of saying it, but they go up and down, right? Uh, something like that, right? <laughs> I feel so lame right now. All right. It's a beautiful thing when you get those leaders to do that. That's about just about all I have to say about that. Um, so I go to application. All right. When I first started here at SCUM, I was doing the worship and prayer stuff. They gave me 20 leaders on my team. It was awesome. 
But I began, my style is through relationships. I began building relationships with all those leaders. What I began to find out is underneath the surface, there were these people that wanted more. They wanted the power of God to start happening in this place. They wanted Jesus to be more prevalent. They were tired of junk. They wanted more. They wanted more than just having a good, you know, kind of counterculture society here. They wanted more. And I began to find that there were apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers in that group. And I began to be able to identify them. I got some in the room right now that I've been able to get together with that are prophets. They're in the junior stage. (laughs) They go to the junior section, you know. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) They're not all there yet. But they've helped them get cleaned up and start listening to God and giving messages that build people up. So if you are one, oh, there's a thing. They were hiding. I said, why are you hiding? Well, first of all, I got hurt by all those guys on TV and other people in other churches, so I don't want to do that. I just throw, forget it. I said, well, you know what? You can't do that. You got to man up or woman up, if that's a phrase. You got to belly up to the bar. Be honest with yourself. If you got one of those gifts, you need to find somebody to help you move into that. And don't be ashamed if you really have an apostolic gift and you're in the immature stage. If you're embryonic, don't be ashamed of that. We start somewhere. If you're a prophet, if you're an evangelist, you got to start somewhere. Get somebody to help you. Just say yes. We're starting a different campaign. Just say yes. (laughs) Be a uniter, not a divider. Don't use your gift to divide people. Don't collect people around you. And create divisions and little cliques. Oh, let's get all the little apostles over here. And your prophets are notorious for this. Because we hear from God. We're over here. And we can see stuff. And we do spiritual warfare. So we're kind of over here. Don't be a divider. Be a uniter. Use your gift to unite the body of Christ. And if we can, get all five in your church leadership Get all five of them, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. You know, uh, most churches probably don't have that. Most churches have pastors and teachers. But how about if we ask God, let's have all five. Can you imagine how outstanding and stellar your church, your ministry would be if you had all five apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers working together in unity? That would be outstanding. What a great glorification of Jesus. Well, that's it. That's my message. Uh, one of the things that this has done for me is I've known all this stuff and felt convicted about it, but I never taught it. I never put it in a concise form. This week was a struggle because I had to put it all down, nice, neat form, so I could say it in a way that hopefully you guys weren't able to understand what I was saying. So that's it. I have no easy way of closing this out. Thank you.